Alrighty, good morning, Zion. Good to see you today. Lovely fall day. Hey, you could join us and we can meet together. It's when our family meets. It's not just Christianity is not just attending a meeting every Sunday. It is uh, obviously a 24-7, 365 uh, lifestyle, but this is when the family gets together, and so we are glad that we're able to do that. Um, we're going to be in John 14 today, but we were thinking about our experience in God and, and where we've been, and some of you are doing the actual verse memory, and so uh, we're going to review uh, the, the verse for this week. If you're not doing it, then you could still, it'll be up front. You don't have to do it from memory today. But let me say it uh, first. This is uh, from Matthew 12, 37, um, which is not the correct verse there. Uh, <laughs> um, we, should, we should have, uh, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Okay, so can you try it with me uh, now? And he said, uh, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first, most, most important, yeah, in first com this is the great and first commandment. It's a different translation that I've always learned it, so I always stumble on there. Um, I don't know about you, but I, um, I enjoy, uh, especially the older, the better war movies, uh, the black and white ones and uh, but there's also been some ones over time that have been very good. Uh, you think of, say, Saving Private Ryan. Um, there's, uh, what was that one with Lee Marvin and Mark Hamill? Oh, the big red one. Uh, that's, a, that's a great one in terms of uh, the point I'm about to make. Uh, there's, uh, in other ones, there's you know, ones that are a bit fictional, like the Dirty Dozen, uh, where they, they, you know, they take these ragtag bunch of guys, and then they become a unit. And I've never been in the military, but I, I understand some things about it. And you, they, take, they take a group of guys who are from all over the country. They have different backgrounds, different uh, maybe accents or even different languages. They're from different uh, races, backgrounds, different socioeconomic levels and so forth. And then they put them all together and say, okay, go, go fight together. Now, there's obviously a lot of work that goes into that uh, squad building that unity. But when you think about, well, how, how do they do that? And it, it's because they go through battles together. They're, they're in the foxholes. They're on the ship together. They are they're fighting as a unit in the, in the Air Force to, to keep that, that plane moving or, or even the larger bombers and so forth. So even though they come from very different lifestyles, very different groups, very different people, by the time they're done with, with their experience, especially in times of war and battle, they learn to trust one another, they live together, um, and, and they, they just are bonded together largely for their lives. When they lose one of, the, one of their members, it is a great, great hardship. It's a great loss for them. How did they do that? Because they just went through a difficult time with each other. It is um, living through that stress together. I think of, of the Martin family, and they're probably not really experiencing this yet, 
But as they go through and they go through this, this trial, uh, probably down the road of with you know, even years perhaps, they're going to look back on this time period and say, wow, we, we really grew close together as a family. They grew close. We as a community grew close together. That's what, that, that's what happens when you go through experiences. And when we talk about our relationship with the Lord, one of the things we're going to learn and see is that we're going to experience things with him. And as we do, as we trust him, you go through difficult times, you're not sure how something's going to work. Uh, it's a little, is, it, is he going to come forward? Is he going to work? Is he going to um, uh, show up, so to speak, when we want him to, even though he's always around? Uh, we experience him as a person. He is certainly not a force like the Star Wars and personal force, but he's a real person that we can get to know. It's an abiding relationship. Our first message we talked about is the Jesus said, he's the vine, we are the branches. We're connected with him and we get our life from him. But it's a very active relationship. It's not passive. And when, when Jesus has called his followers, it was sometimes assume, assumed, but also very directly, he says, you need to obey me. And that's what we're going to look at today. But you can't just abide with Jesus and not go any further than that. You can't just say, all right, so like right now, I'm abiding. This is great. Here I am abiding with God. There's more to it. You can't be passive in abiding with Christ. It's got to result in some things in our lifestyle. It's a very dynamic relationship that we should be having with the Lord. So we're going to be in John 14 today. We're going to look at a, a, just a few verses, in starting with John 14, 21. And this whole section, John 13, 14, 15, all the way to 17, it's, it's a long discourse. If you have a red-letter Bible, most of it's going to be in red because it's Jesus speaking to his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion. And uh, he says this in verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them. So it's whoever, not just them. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. What's he saying? Well, he's, he says to, to, to get more of God, there's two prerequisites. And I know that's kind of maybe an old school term, an old college term, a prerequisite. What, what is that? It's like, well, think of math. You can't take calculus until you take, you know, trig and, and uh, in advanced math applications and so forth. You can't just jump into calculus. You have to take the prerequisites, the prerequirements before you can do that. Well, to see God manifested manifest in our life, Jesus said, look, there's, there's a couple prerequisites. One, you have to have his commandments. He says, whoever has my commandments, this is what's going to happen. So it's why we as a church and why we emphasize we need to be in his word. We need to be hearing from him. We need to get this constant flow of Jesus and his words and his commands and his, his desires in our heart. But again, that's just the abiding part. You then have to do the second prerequisite, and that's keep them. We can't ignore them. 
we can't uh, delete them. I think I've told you before, I had a friend who was very lousy at underlining. He just, he, it was not a skill he had. And so when he tried to underline in his Bible, he actually looked like he crossed verses out. Just real poor, even with a ruler. It's like, what are you doing? He goes, I just, I just stink at underlining. I meant to, un- I, I, I didn't mean to cross it out. But many Christians in their lives, there's maybe a verse or something that they don't like or a command of Christ, and they're doing that in their heart. They're kind of crossing them out. So it's more than hearing, it's observing. It becomes permanent in our conscience. What does it mean to keep his commandments? Well, if you've read through the Gospels before, you will see there are, there, there's kind of this ongoing on and off debate that Jesus has with the religious leaders regarding the Sabbath. And they always talk about keeping the Sabbath. Well, what do they mean? They mean observing it. They had very strict rules for following the Sabbath day, their, their day of rest, uh, which we would consider Saturday. And that's what they meant by keeping it. You couldn't work on that day. You had to uh, uh, observe it, honor it. Well, that's the same word. To keep the Sabbath is the same word Jesus uses here with his commandments, is you have to keep them. And it's more than just head knowledge, that's the hearing, but then to also obey them. There's a couple other verses in Revelation where he he refers, I'll just read them to you. In Revelation 2.26, Jesus says, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And then near the end of the book, it says in uh, 22.7, and behold, I am coming soon, Jesus speaking, blessed is the one who keeps the words of, of the prophecy of this book. So it is an obedience that is following through. Now, so if you do those two prerequisites, you listen, and then you keep them, there's a couple results that will happen. As Jesus said, uh, uh, he, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. Uh, this, this idea of your love is then proven. Because it, when we hear Jesus' commands and say, I'm on it, Jesus. That is an action of love, not just a statement of love, but when we follow through and do what he says, we're showing and proving that our love is really there. And then he says the love of the Father and the Son is also proven in us as we, as we experience him more. But then he has this additional thing that is really, as I think about it, it's really kind of mind-blowing. Jesus says, if, if you listen, hear my commands, and do them, obey them, keep them, I will manifest myself to him. What does that mean? In other words, the more you know, the more you're going to know about him. The more you experience Christ, the more you will experience him. Obedience leads to a deeper revelation and understanding of God. And I think of, well, who Jesus is? He's the, he's the second person of the Trinity. And I think he even says, um, yeah, you know, he's just talking about himself. I'll, I'll, but I think it includes the Father as well. And as we think about, they'll manifest, he'll manifest himself to me. And I, I, as I chew on that, I go, wow, that's a really, well, who am I moment? Who am I, Jesus, that you should reveal 
more of yourself to me. Why? How come? Well, that's his promise, though. And that is, I think of his greatness. He's not just doing that for me. He's doing that for every believer that is, is living right now and, follow, and hearing and obeying. And Wow, that's, you're pretty big. You're pretty amazing. And yet you're showing me more of yourself. That is a great and wonderful promise. Moses asked for the same thing in Exodus 33, 13. He, this, is, this is past the Red Sea and so forth. Uh, and he says, now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. And so Moses called on, on that for, his, uh, for just to know God. I want to know you. Let me see your glory, he says in another spot. Uh, the commentary Barclay says this, it is the man who loves him that Jesus reveals himself even more fully. You can't just passively say, yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah, I know Christ. You have to know him. And yet there are people all around us that think that's how it is. You just kind of pull Jesus out once in a while out of your pocket whenever you need him or think about him. I've had people who I've met for the very first time say, oh, yeah, I go to that church, giant church in Carn City. I said, oh, really? You see, it's, it's just a thing they pull out. And what they mean is they used to go to this building years ago before we were Zion. But there's really no relationship. And I said, oh, I'm the pastor. I've never seen you. Oh, well, it's been a while. But, but, but they think that it's okay to have this kind of passive relationship. You got to obey. You got to follow through. Um, you could look at John, uh, John 1, uh, 14 to 18 as well. But in John's letter, he expands on this. Again, let me just, I know I'm reading a lot of passages today, but 1 John 1, 3b, the last part of the verse, John writes, indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. There is a connection, there's relationship. In chapter 2, 3 through 6, he says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Wow. Uh, and the truth is not in him. But, but whoever keeps his word, in, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same manner which he walked. Now, there's a red flag that we have to watch out for in our lives. When we hear a commandment from Christ, we hear a verse, and it kind of, it's one of those verses where we go, ooh, ow, ooh, ooh, ooh. I need to, ooh, my life's not matching up to that verse. And many believers, and I've done it myself throughout the years, where we read that and we say, I know, but... There's this exclusion. There's this reason why we're somehow exempt from that particular command. Uh, in, earlier in my Christian life, as I was uh, just kind of struggling with, with anger, and it really had a control of me, 
it was, it was easier to say, well, that's just my personality. That's what I'm like. Rather than addressing the sin of excessive anger. Because I knew that was going to take a lot of work. And I didn't want to have to do all that. I didn't want to have to point the finger at myself and say, you need to fix this. So for a while, it was like, well, that's just who I am. That's just this is my personality. It was making an excuse. There are other things. There are other things people do. I've had, I've had people say to me regarding especially forgiveness. That seems to be a real hard one for folks. Where we are told in several places in the New Testament to forgive. Forgive others. Be long-suffering. Be patient. I've had people say, I'm not doing it. I'm not going no, I'm not no, I'm not gonna forgive that person. Okay, but it says right here, it says to 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 offer forgiveness, to be forgiving. I'm not gonna do it. I'm just not. Oh. Okay. Well, if I go back to first John, it says if you read a commandment and you don't keep it, it says you're a liar. Wow. That's pretty black and white, isn't it? If you ever read through John's letters, John writes like that, but it's very true. We'll just, we'll, you'll never grow in intimacy with Christ with that attitude. If you're going to cross out verses, cross out commands you don't like, you will not grow in intim- intimacy with Christ, period. Full stop. But then there's something else that comes with this intimacy And Jesus continues. Let's go back to John 14. It's an invitation to live with us. So they're having this little conversation. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him. I always always kind of wonder about this guy, Judas. You You know Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. Well, there was another disciple named Judas, too. And I could just imagine him down his life and say, Oh, you're the Judas who followed Jesus. I'm not that one. I'm not that Judas. I'm the other one. Judas, not Iscariot. Yeah. Judah. Judah. Yeah. It's it's probably the Latinized version. All right. So so, it, it, but it was a common name. So uh, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, "Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world?" Jesus answered him, "If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him." And we will come and make our home with him. So he essentially almost repeats the same thing, but adds a little bit more. Whoever does not love me and does not keep my, does not love me, does not keep my words. You don't love me? You don't obey me. And the word you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So Judas says, you know, why us? Why are you giving us this answer? And you love me, you keep my words. And the world just doesn't do that. It's one of the verses, if anyone ever says there's universal salvation, this one says there's not. You, Jesus doesn't save every single person. It's those who follow him and believe in him. Some people know the right answer on the test. They know how to say the, the best thing. We do um, pre-marriage assessments with couples. And we have to tell them, look, you've got to be honest. Because it's asking how they respond in certain situations and and a lot of us know how we should respond, but not how we actually respond uh, when in, you know, in times of conflict and so forth. And so a lot of us know how we should be, or we've read through the New Testament, but are we actually there? Uh, and 
there, there's no real commitment to obey him. But he says God's going to love you more than his general John 3.16 love for the world. But Jesus explains more here. If you listen to me and you follow me, I'll not only manifest myself to you, but Jesus adds here that we will live with you. God reveals himself more and more. As we go through this life, he's going to open the door and let us see more of himself. They will dwell with him. The idea of make abode, live with. You want to get to know someone? Live with them for a little while, right? Share, share a home with them for a little bit. It further builds the relationship. And that's what God does. Now, this isn't the only place that, that talks about this. There's a verse that I remember the first time I heard this, this verse, it was in the context of evangelism, of sharing the gospel with, with a non-believer. But really that verse has nothing to do with that. It's Revelation 3.20. Jesus speaking, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus spoke these words not to unbelievers, but he spoke it to a church. The church of Laodicea the lukewarm church. It's not an evangelism passage. It's an it's a invitation to people who claim to be believers already. He says, come in. Let me, let's dine together. I, I still don't understand the dynamics of humanity, that there's something about eating together that brings unity, brings closeness together. But but it happens. I mean, we do. When we're going to spend time together, what do we always think? Well, who's bringing the food? Right? We, we have this, this connection with that. And so Jesus is offering the same thing to the church. What did is, what is the Father and the Son share with us? They share them ver their very selves. We've talked about, speaking of evangelism, the three circles. You know, how it starts with uh, God's perfection and then our sin and then the gospel, if, you, if you've been with us before, you remember that. Well, that circle, it comes all the way back. It doesn't end with the gospel. It leads us back to God's perfection, where we are who we are supposed to be. We're created to be in fellowship with God. The fall messed all that up. But now we can be restored. There are plans and wills for our lives that God wants to share with us as we dwell with him as we interact with him spend time with him go through experiences with him we get more and more of god and folks that's enough we don't want to have the idea that god's like this cosmic lucky charm that if i follow these rules he's going to bless me he's going to help me he's going to do all these nice things for me even to the extreme prosperity gospel people that says you'll be wealthy, you'll be famous if you do these rules. Knowing more God is more than enough, more than our hearts. The rest is just gravy, it's just extra. Jesus is very clear though, the opposite is true. If you don't love me, you don't keep my words, period. In fact, it's, it's very clear when we disobey, 
And I'm not talking about the times where we mess up and we sin and we come back around, but that, that very kind of in your face, very clear, like I mentioned earlier, people say, I'm, I'm not going to do that, Jesus. I'm not going to obey that verse. That very defiant, that's the word I was searching for, disobedience. What we're really saying is, Jesus, I don't love you. That's as clear as he could be. His authority is established by the Father himself. It's not just enough to know God. This idea of knowing him more is throughout the scriptures. Paul, and this is one of my, this is one of my favorite prayers to pray for us. This prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. Listen for the prayer to just to know him. Ephesians 3, it's a second prayer in Paul's letter. It's the only letter to my knowledge where he records two prayers. This one is starting at 3.14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Paul says, for whom every family on earth is named. What are you praying for, Paul? That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit, where? In your inner being. That's a great prayer for us as a church. Well, and what else? Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Chew on that one a little bit. Again, it's that who am I kind of idea. Well, what else? That you may be rooted and grounded in, be rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the, sta- all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, and I love this, that surpasses knowledge. That you might know what you can't just read in a book. But you're really going to know this as you get to know Christ. Know it. Uh, and, 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 and that you may be also, another prayer request, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How do I contain that? Because God reveals himself to his people that hear and obey what he's do, his, his commands. Wow. That's a lot of God stuff that he wants to do. It is Paul's prayer for us. We dwell in our hearts. We might gain understanding. And you think, you think, wait, 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 wait. How is that possible? That we might have an experience, the fullness of God. Well, I didn't quote the, the next verse. It says, to him who is able to do all beyond what we ask or think. It's a God thing. Remember we talked about opening, dividing the Red Sea being, being God stuff. It's kind of God jobs. It's a God job. And he will reveal himself to us. In a, in a moment, we're going to sing one of our newer songs here. Um, it's called, He Has Called Me Higher. And this, the message of the song is, I could, I could just sit and enjoy you and just kind of bask, that be that passive kind of believer. Or we can go higher together. You can give me more of yourself. How do we do that? We obey. Many of us have talked about, and, and, we, and we've chatted offline and so forth, or uh, discussed um, revival. And many people feel, well, if we just pray more. And I believe that. The churches, people need to be devoted to prayer. But if we're not obeying, there's no amount of prayer 
that's going to bring about revival. We have to turn our hearts to the Lord. We need to obey what he's already spoken. What does he want us to do? It's already revealed in his word. And the question for us is, do I want this depth of relationship? Abiding is not passive. You can't just exist with him. And folks, if we're not really taking advantage of this opportunity, we're going to miss out. We're the ones missing out. The cross is his ultimate demonstration of his love and the invitation to come to him. Take up, his cross, take up our cross and follow him. And we'll, we'll learn more about him. We'll believe more about him. We'll trust him more. We'll be faith, we can grow in our faithfulness when we respond to his, even his discipline and in obedience, when we listen, he reveals his plans for us, for his church. God is just waiting, waiting to share more and more of its very self, his will, his power with us. We connect with him better and better. Paul has come up with a, a, a song based on one of our earlier verses and we wanted to have opportunity where he could come and share that with us. It's kind of along that same lines of abiding with him, being connected with him. So Paul coming up and, uh, and after Paul's song, we'll do uh, our pause and prayer time together. Oh, we didn't set that up, did we? Okay. Normally we think you don't need a microphone. Uh, it's been a good holy week. The Yom Kippur experience God. The Feast of Tabernacles. Um, so this this is a song that um, God gave me from His Word. It was pretty cool. Um, we'll see how it goes. It's based off the memory verse from the first chapter of Experiencing God. true vine my father is the gardener every empty branch he'll take away but those that are fruitful he will prune them Make them more fruitful every day And by my word I made you clean 
abide with you, you abide with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide with me, I'll abide with you. Apart from me, and you can do nothing. Apart from me, you'll bear no fruit. Like a dead branch on a tree, blown away and withering. And you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I selected you so you might go and bear a fruit that would last. So whatever you would ask in my name, it shall be given. And these things I command. So you love one another And these things I command And that you love one another Has a greater love than this, than to lay down your life for your friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you to. Did not choose me, but I chose you, and I selected you so you might go and bear a fruit that would last. So whatever you would ask in my name, it shall be given. Things I command, so you love one another. What we gotta do? Abide in me, my word in you. Whatever you ask, it shall be done for you. And this my father is glorified.
that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples as the fathers of me I have also loved you. Abide in my love with me and the Father above. So your joy may be in you. So your joy may be made full. things to, to just praise God for from what we've read today and what Paul's saying is God manifests himself to us. That's, again, that's, why, why me? Why us? And he wants to build a relationship with us. And in terms of requests as we're praying is maybe, maybe your heart's at the point where you say, Lord, since I love you, grant me the strength to obey you by. And maybe there's something else. We mentioned forgiveness uh, we did a series on fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Maybe one of those things God spoke to you and oh, I kind of forgot about that. I want to obey him in this way. Or something specific. We're among friends. No one here is perfect. Uh, and so we could, we could be honest and true and, and then also be praying for each other along that line. So let's spend some time in praise and then bring our, our request to help us obey in that particular area. So I'll be quiet and I'll close this in a bit.
God, I was there to judge. God, I do ask that you would help me to be more humble, more gentle, more patient, and stressful in life. Sir, it just blows my mind that you want a man's belt in your life.
God, I've never met anyone famous. Famous as the world defines. But I know the living God. And I am connected to him, to you. And I remember, so as we were praying, I just that old song from uh, youth ministry, I want more of Jesus, more and more and more, more than I ever had before. And it's true. You are, you are the fulfillment. You are the, you're what I really need. I've chased after so many things. And they've all just been like ash or sand in my mouth. But you are the true satisfaction, just knowing you. And God, we've, we've all got stories like that. And, and Lord, I, I know too, as I, as I think of especially the fruit of the Spirit and other things, I, it's, it's not easy for me to have self-control. I want to be lazy. I want to, I want to just meet my own needs rather than do what uh, you've called me to do or to, or to take care of myself or to do um, um, just, just be someone with, with self-control, that's someone who has uh, the, the wherewithal to do what I need to do. So God, I, I confess that and want to see, uh, obey you in that, that I might know you more, that you may dwell with me, because uh, Lord, you indeed are all that we need. It's not just a religious expression, but you are life. <laughs> you are life indeed. And so we pray for that. We pray for those same requests that Paul had, that we might, that you might dwell in our hearts, that we might gain understanding of your love, and that we indeed might be filled with a fullness of God, because we not only hear, but we obey what you have for us. Oh God, it's so foolish to hold on to those things that we say we won't do. So we pray that you be speaking to us, reveal them to us in your name. Amen. As our worship team comes up, I want to give you a couple, just a couple announcements. Uh, good news and bad news. The good news I've already told you about on November 11th, uh, Grove City College is coming here. They're going to lead us in a time of, of praise and worship and prayer. And so that'll be the morning of November 11th. Uh, they may be working on lunch. And so we'll give you more details of that. At some point, we're probably... Uh, going to need a count for that, especially if they need to know how many people are there. Um, so please write that down. I encourage you to be that. Also, it's available if you if there are other brothers and sisters around our community. If uh, you want to invite them, by all means, that's that would be fine. Um, I'll probably end up doing a Facebook event and so forth that you could share. The second is the bad news. And I hate, this is, oh. But there's just no other way for us to work throughout this. We're not going to have Polish Christmas this year. I know, I know, sorry. It's just, just something with our new grandchild and schedules and so forth. There's just not a time we could do it. And so we apologize. Um, it's one of the few years we haven't done. Uh, I think COVID was the only other time we didn't do the Polish Christmas. Uh, so, um, but, but we'll have other times where we're actually going to have I think um, uh, our Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve are on Sundays, so we'll have some times together on that. So, sorry, be forgiving. Okay, let's sing. <laughs>